The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. This is Duly Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another Duly Noted podcast, a Thursday edition. We do this every Tuesday and Thursday during the season when the Gators are playing, so obviously they'll continue. I'll be joined a little bit later today by Brandon Zimmerman from uh, SEC Network. We'll talk to him a little bit about the conference and some of the things coming up and that happened over the weekend, obviously. Um, Florida playing against uh, Tennessee Martin, which is 1-0, just like Florida. Puts her pants on one leg at a time, right? Let's use some cliches here. But, um, look, it's pretty obvious Florida's going to have better players and Florida needs to kind of clean some things up and just be efficient. They need to play, you know, all the time. Coach Mullen's talking about playing to the Gator standard. And and what he said on Wednesday – was there were times when they did against Miami, and then there were times when they didn't. And you'd kind of need to do that all the time. I mean, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have problems at times, but you've got to play at a higher standard than they played in that game. Not necessarily to win this game today or Saturday, but to kind of get your team going back in the right direction. Um, And again, I I don't know if this team is capable of – doing great things okay and i said this before the season that that i thought they they might be really good if they stayed healthy and they might not be good if they didn't stay healthy but i i just don't know after that with that one game sample size if this team has a potential to be great and a lot of the reason is because of felipe franks i um i'm, I'm not gonna bash him but we were it was kind of funny today I was thinking about something I might write next week about Felipe and how Florida fans need to understand this is what you, he is. This is what you. This is what you have. Um, you can you can work with him. You can continue to try to make him better as a coach. You can maybe tell him to cut out certain histrionics, but he's. This is what he is, and. You know, I know they want, they would love him to be the alpha dog. I don't think he, he's, he is an alpha dog. But you know what? Not everybody is an alpha dog. Not everybody's a leader. Every, everybody assumes a quarterback's always a leader. You know, I was thinking about this today. Danny Werfel was no great leader. Danny Werfel was a great player who did everything he was supposed to do exactly the way he was supposed to do it and had a great coach and great players around him and um, – was one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life and uh, certainly put up numbers that were incredible. I, I am a huge Danny Werfel fan, okay, as a person and as a quarterback. But it wasn't like he was the rah-rah leader of that team. He just kind of did things by example. And there were other guys who were. Uh, Donnie Young uh, was a leader on that team. Jeff Mitchell till he got hurt. James Bates, Lawrence Wright. There were tons of leaders. They had all alpha dogs. The quarterback doesn't always have to be the alpha dog. You know who wasn't a leader? Rex Grossman wasn't a great leader. But Rex Grossman, I can make this argument that he is at the minimum the third best quarterback to ever play at Florida. And you say, well, wait, they had three Heisman winners. Don't give me that. Rex should have won the Heisman. He got robbed of it. And he was – I'm just going to say it. He's 
he was a better quarterback than Steve Spurrier was. Um, and 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 a lot of that is the the time when Steve played. Now they weren't throwing the ball over the place like, and the fact that Rex had Steve Spurrier as a coach. But I think Rex is arguably he's definitely in to me in the top three, and. You might be able to make an argument he was better than than Tebow you, or, or Werfel. You can make an argument there. I'm certainly had a better arm than both of them. But, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to do something sacrilegious with uh, two of the most popular quarterbacks ever to play um, at Florida. And, well, the two most popular quarterbacks. Now, Spurrier's popularity is built as much on his coaching as anything else. But it was funny because today I was saying, you know, I bet you I can name 25 quarterbacks who were better than Felipe Franks when you take the whole package. Okay? So we started naming them, and we didn't quite get there. Okay? I, there, there aren't 25 better. That was an exaggeration. But we got about 19 deep, you know? I mean, the obvious ones, you know, the three Heisman winners, the guy who should have won the Heisman, Chris Leak. Not not the guy who should have won the Heisman, Chris Leak. The guy who should have won the Heisman, period, Chris Leak. John Rees, Kerwin Bell, Shane Matthews. Don Gaffney was a better quarterback. Jimmy Fisher was a better quarterback. I think Tommy Shannon was a better quarterback. We, anyway, we started naming them off, and I, and I just – one game should not make me feel – and it, and it isn't. I'm going to try to explain this, and I know it's not going to come across right. I don't feel any differently about Felipe – then I did going into this season, okay? The question I had in the offseason was he went from bad to good. Can he go from good to great? And the one-game sample size is no. My answer is no. You know, I see the same guy. I see the same guy in press conferences with his sleepy demeanor, you know, and not, you know, not – he knows he has to do the media, but he, you know, he knows tough questions are going to come. He doesn't like the tough questions – um, I don't think he can be great. Let's just put it that way. Talent-wise, it's as we all know, it's there. I just don't I, – I, I thought I would see in the first game a different guy, and I didn't see that. Now, you obviously can win 10 games with a good quarterback. There are teams that go and play, play for national championships with an average quarterback. I can think of a Nebraska team that did that against Miami. I can think of uh, Tennessee winning it with T. Martin. T. Martin was an average quarterback at best. You know, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. He, I don't even think he was average. He was below average for the NFL. So you don't have to have a great quarterback. He just needs to do what your head coach wants you to do. And here's the thing. See, I've been thinking about this all day today. I don't know why. It just overwhelmed me. And I'll probably talk about this. I'm, I'm speaking to the Clay County Quarterback Club, and I've got three of them next week. And you guys are going to hear a lot of this, and I apologize if you listen to the podcast. Um, but I, I've been, it's been mulling over in my head that you, know, you, don't need a, you don't need a great quarterback. You don't even necessarily need your quarterback to be a leader. What you just need is a guy who can function, who can do a good job for you and do what you need him to do. I mean, it's it's hard. It's not easy. We all know that. You're playing quarterback in the SEC 
It's difficult. It's never easy. But I I do believe that Florida fans have to quit thinking they're going to that Felipe can be another I, I don't even want to say the word Tebow because we all know better than that. There there's only one of those guys. But that he can be another in the line of great quarterbacks at Florida. Maybe he can't. You know, we talk about alpha dogs all the time. Because and that you know, Coach Mullen brought it up, but that this is another thing I've been thinking about is look, you have to understand in college football, the alpha dog is the head coach. Who's the alpha dog at Alabama? It's Nick Saban. Who's the alpha dog at at Clemson? It's not Tua. I mean, it's not uh, Trevor Lawrence, and it's not Tua at Alabama. It's the head coach. The alpha dog here is Dan Mullen. In fact, I would take it further. I think in a lot of places there are two alpha dogs. One is the head coach and the other one is the strength coach. And those are the guys who decide what kind of season you're going to have, what kind of team you're going to have. And if I made any sense during this long rant that one day hopefully will turn into a column, you never know. I do know I have to take a break. We'll do that, and then we'll come back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. I'm your host, Pat Dooley, from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is the Dooley Noted Podcast, presented by Zaxby's. All right, uh, back with the podcast, and uh, appreciate everybody for listening in. I hope you enjoy my column on Clinton McMillan that I wrote today um, in today's paper. My column for Saturday uh, is about Mr. Tubitz, so hopefully you enjoy that too. Um I know it may seem like an easy one to write, but I kind of took a little different angle on it. So hopefully you'll like that. Uh, we'll talk about – look, the, there's one thing I need to see Florida – I think it's important for Florida to get out of this game. One major thing. And I know I've got a list of five things they need to do better here because you know me and lists. But there's one major thing they need to get out of it, and that is to get a break from the negativity. I mean, the negativity just won't go away. And and it's it's so funny because before the season, if you remember, I wrote a column saying this was the most important opening game in Florida football history because they – and one of the reasons, and it was a smaller reason, but it was one of the reasons was because the last thing you needed were two weeks and going to three weeks because of, your, of who you were playing in week, two, week three or whatever it is um, – the last thing you needed was to hear negative comments if you lost to Miami, right? What I didn't realize is you could beat Miami and still get nothing but negative comments. And it's continued right through last weekend and 
as we start this week. And now I know there's there are some of you who are listening to this podcast going, wait a minute, didn't you just do a whole opening rant about that was negative about Felipe Franks? I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be negative about it. I'm just trying to make people, I'm, I'm just giving you food for thought that he might not get to that level because I'm not sure he's mature enough and I'm not sure he's emotionally mature enough and I'm not sure he is an alpha dog. I think he's a, he's a Felipe dog and that he likes it when he does well. Okay. And I'm, that's, there is nothing wrong with that. Okay. Just keep doing well, and we'll, we'll all be right there with you. I'm not trying to be negative about him, and and I again, I, I have said this over and over again. I don't. I had no problem with the things he did. The going into the stands was a mistake. He he, his coach needs to tell him you don't go in the stands when there's still a game on, when we still have to maybe go come out there and get a first down. You don't need to be talking to anybody in the stands. Everything else, I had no problem with. But he does. You know, he likes himself a lot, and that's fine. I've, I've known a hundred quarterbacks. There are guys on that list I just read you that like themselves an awful lot, and that's great. That's no problem. So I'm not trying to be negative here. But what I'm saying is I think Florida fans need a break from the negativity. They need to go out and have a good time, have fun. You know, I always say that uh, first games are a reunion, first opening uh, home games. You get to see people you haven't seen. They sit right next to you in your seats. And, oh, man, I haven't seen you in eight months. And you tailgate with people you usually don't see a lot. Um, it's going to be hot, and uh, I know that it's probably going to affect the crowd. Uh, this goes back to what we've talked about. You know, it's not enough. This is kind of my new – you know, I always make up these little statements – or not statements, little sayings. Like one, the one I'm most famous for, unfortunately, is – Nobody suffers winning like Gator fans. Uh, I also, you guys know that I have the uh, college football seasons, a handful of plays and a handful of games. Uh, let the season play out. That's another one of my little sayings. Don't ever overreact to things. Um, so, you know, I've got all these little sayings. But one of them is that Florida needs to change the narrative from that game on to Saturday, I mean, it's it's hard to remember when the game was. Golly, this is so weird this year. But they, they want to change the narrative. And the only way you're going to change the narrative is to go win a bunch of games. You're not going to change it overnight, but you can take a little piece away from that negative narrative. So they need a break. Gator fans need a break from that, and they need to have fun. They need to enjoy it. You know, one thing that was interesting that uh, Coach Mullen had to say, and it was, I, I think, an idle threat a little bit, was when, you know, you don't want to mention threats and head coaches at Florida. That's probably not a good idea. But he was talking about, you know, how much criticism they've gotten for that Miami win. win. And he said, you know, maybe we shouldn't schedule teams so hard. Maybe we should schedule – he didn't say Tennessee Martin or Idaho or anything or New Mexico State. Maybe we should just stick with that. Because when we win, we drop in the polls and people are mad at us. Maybe we shouldn't play anybody tough. And what he was basically trying to say was not that's what we're going to do because you know they're not going to. I've been through this. And, again, another one of my sayings <laughs> is that – because and the only reason I, I preface it by saying that is because you guys hear it over and over and you probably get tired of it. But I, I kind of – they're kind of my commandments, kind of. But it's just the fact that it's not – and here's the saying. It's not enough – that the Gators are playing anymore. And 
so for Saturday's game, you know, it's not going to be enough that the Gators are playing. You're not going to have a full stadium. Uh, it's going to be hot, and there are other great games on, and a lot of people aren't going to show up. Hopefully it'll be a nice crowd. Hopefully people will honor Mr. Two-Bits the right way. I think they will. And uh, hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, so I think what that's what he was saying was – we're not going to really do that. I mean, we're not going to continue. Now, I know their schedule next year is terrible, but that was kind of uh, pre-Scott Strickland and pre-this movement that has happened in the college football really the last four or five years where fewer people are going to games and certainly visiting fans aren't going to games. Uh, They're staying home because they don't want to spend ridiculous amounts of money to go to games and then get bad seats. Um, So... You know, we'll we'll see what happens uh, with this game Saturday in terms of the crowd and everything like that. But anyway, I thought it was interesting what he had to say. All right, here are the five things I think Florida has to do. We'd like to see them do if you're a Gator fan. Number one is the obvious. No dumb penalties. You're going to get penalties in a game. It happens almost – I'm sure there are a few games in the history of man where a team got no penalties, but there aren't many of them. I'm sure Georgia Tech got them against Cumberland. But – You've got to be careful with the dumb ones because if you, you know, one day of doing that in an intense rivalry game and it's hot and everybody's freaking out and it's 50 50 crowd, neutral crowd and everything, and you have some dumb penalties and golly, how could you have all these dumb penalties? One is an aberration, two is a pattern. You don't want to come out and hit guys late, you don't want to come out and, and commit. Just silly penalties. You're going to get some. You're going to get a false start here and there. You're going to get a hold here and there. I mean, there's holding on, I would say, 80% of the plays in college football and about 10% get called. So you're going to get called somewhere down the line. Just don't do anything stupid. Don't over-celebrate to a point of a penalty. Felipe wants to stand there with his arms folded. That's not a penalty. I don't. At least... It wasn't Saturday night, two Saturdays ago. It wasn't last year. But you never know. Sometimes referees say, well, it is now. I'm calling it a penalty, and that's one of my big beasts with that. All right, so that's number one. Number two, um, in a perfect world, what you'll see this Saturday is Felipe for a half. And hopefully it's a really efficient half. And they'll, you know, you, they may work. Emory Jones in there in the first half, but the bottom line is give the second half to those backup quarterbacks. I think it's it's really important going forward on a, in a season. It's important to keep them happy. It's important to see what they can do. It's important in case something happens to your starter. So Felipe for a half would be ideal. Number three, Rustolium for Malik and Marco. Malik Davis and Marco Wilson in that game two weeks ago, looked rusty, and they need to get out of that. And the only way to do that is to keep playing. Practice isn't going to do it. You've got to be in games. And I know that they've had this long break, and everybody went home for the holiday, and they need to uh, come back, and and hopefully they can get the focus back and just get the feelings. And, and, you know, they both had serious injuries. Those guys are important. I don't – you know – Certainly, Marco, we all know how important he is. I think Malik Davis is important, too. And as as we all know, if he doesn't fumble that pitch, he scores if you watch the film. So 
that would have had everybody saying Malik Davis is back 100%. Instead, he screws up and he fumbles that ball and doesn't doesn't fall on it and and everybody says he's got rust on him, which I'm one of them. All right, number four is clean O-line play. You need to be dominant in a game like this. You need to try to be efficient in a game like this. This is your last chance before you go play a team that manhandled your other your old offensive line last year. Okay, this is an important game to get a little confidence going. Be efficient. Don't don't get a. I mean, you're going to get penalties, like I said, but don't get a lot of dumb penalties. Um, and just be good. This is the last play game before you get into the SEC. I mean, I know there's some down the road, but this is the last one before you get into the SEC. All right, and then uh, number five, I want to see the pass rush again. Now, they didn't uh, – Tennessee uh, Martin did not complete a lot of passes. In fact, they only completed eight in the game. They're probably going to run the ball – but you, when they do throw, there are going to be obvious passing downs. There are going to be some third and eights and whatever. You know, I, I, I want to see that pass rush not be a one-game fluke, and especially against a team like this. So that's something I want to see. But, but stay disciplined. You know, we talked about this last week or two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever it was. See, I'm, I still can't get on a regular schedule about how important it was for Florida – to stay disciplined in that game, and they didn't in some areas. They did in some, and they didn't in others. But they need to stay disciplined here. If 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 even if it's a full all-out rush, somebody's got to be staying lane. Somebody's got to spy the quarterback from getting out. All right, a couple things about uh, Tennessee Martin. They they outscored uh, their opponent Northwestern State twenty-eight nothing in the second half. That's a sign of a of a team that that. You know, it's a pretty good team to do that. Ain't any time. I don't care who you're playing. After they were losing at halftime, Peyton Logan's their running back, 149 yards, pretty good player. Had a couple big runs, but they gave up 387 yards of passing, 285 in the first half. So you can throw on them. I'll be curious to see what kind of game plan they come up with. Uh, and they are a very good special. They won the game on special teams last week. Uh, they had a punt return. A uh, couple other big plays on special teams. Uh, that's what Florida is expert at. They've got their their coverage guys have to take this. Look, I I'm a big believer. You need to take every game seriously, and I think all coaches are that. And I think you're all saying, well, duh, Dooley. But I'm saying you only get 12 opportunities that are guaranteed to go out there and play as a team. And sometimes it's easy to slough one off, and you go, "Oh God, I got to run down as a gunner or, or whatever." We're up twenty-eight nothing. You got to take it seriously, especially on the punt return with these guys because they can break one. All right, we got to get a break in. We'll do that. We'll bring in Brandon Zimmerman from SEC Network. Talk to him. I got a couple of guys lined up next week. Don't want to give it away, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully, they can we can work it out with them next week. Looking forward to that. And then, of course, we'll go over some of the spreads and three things, all that, coming up when we return on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits in Florida is family-owned since 1936 and longtime Gator supporters. Did you know Touchdown Terrace was named after the founder, Jack Holloway? 
There are 122 ABC locations throughout Florida. Shop online at abcfws.com and pick up in-store on the way to your tailgate or game day party. ABC has walk-in coors for beer and amazing deals every day on wine and spirits. Save $10 on every $100 on wine. ABC Wickers, proud Gator supporters. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast here on Gatorsports.com. We are joined now by my good friend Brandon Zimmerman from the SEC Network. He does a great job. You see him sometimes on the Feinbaum Show, and he imparts all kind of wisdom and kind of straightens some people out. That's at least the way I see it, Brandon. Uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, Pat. And, uh, yeah, my job is kind of to make sure people don't report any incorrect news or any fake news or anything <laughs> You know, there's obviously a lot of stuff on Twitter, so um, so yeah, I'm here to kind of disseminate what's reportable and what isn't. Well, let me ask you, because I didn't get the chance to see a lot of the show this week, uh, because it, I've had a busy week like everybody has with the hurricane and everything, but I'm just, I'm wondering which fans were more disappointed, South Carolina or Tennessee, uh, this week? Um, it was definitely Tennessee. Um, you know, it was kind of strange. We didn't hear a whole lot from South Carolina South Carolina fans, and, and that kind of happens sometimes when it's kind of a shocking loss. Sometimes the fans kind of go into a bunker and just disappear for a while. But there was definitely a lot of disappointment from Tennessee. I mean, that loss was just really inexplicable, and, uh, you know, that left a lot of their fans really upset. Yeah, I and, you know, I know that Paul was upset with what um... – uh, Jeremy Pruitt said after the game that we expect our fans to be disappointed. And I'm, I, he seemed to be really upset about it. I, I didn't think it was that big a deal, but I think the bigger deal is that you're you're five and eight since you became the head coach. And I, I don't understand why they're as bad as they are. Yeah, I think, you know, the, Tennessee's been down for so long. They've had so many disappointing losses where you think it's rock bottom. And I think that's why for a lot of people outside of Knoxville, it's not that shocking. I mean, they've, they've lost all these games in the last, you know, five or ten years that they shouldn't lose and for that reason it's not that shocking and I think the South Carolina loss of all the three losses from the east in week one I think the South Carolina loss was the most shocking because it's year four under Will Muschamp Jake Bentley's a a senior now that you you know North Carolina's rebuilding new coach freshman quarterback I mean that was the game um, where I think everyone in South Carolina really thought this was the one game they had to win on their schedule with so many difficult games down the road this was the way they're going to get off to a good start and maybe get some momentum with Alabama coming to town in a couple weeks. You know, Brandon, and you've you've been around this fan base down here in Gainesville working the Gainesville Sun, but it's been amazing not only uh, with the fan base but also with the the national media. The way a Florida team that won a rivalry game in a neutral site has just been vilified, dropped in the polls. Everybody's after him. Everybody thinks Felipe Franks is a, a, a lunatic, and uh, this team's not very good. And, and, I, and I'll confess, I had him 11th in the preseason AP poll, and that's where they are now, so I'm the only one who knew what was going on. Yeah, and I mean, who, who passed them? Auburn passed them, and... Uh... I think Texas and um, maybe Penn State, that 79 nothing yeah. win over Howard. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess I guess one of the factors is that that was the standalone game in Week Zero. So, I mean, everyone 
got to watch him and kind of nitpick Florida and dissect them. I mean, if that game had been uh, on last Saturday night while the Auburn-Oregon game was going on and people were flipping back and forth, who knows if the, you know, the perception of that would have been different if people would have just saw Florida won and you know, kept them where they were. You know, the fact that it was on TV and you know, maybe the people didn't like, uh, you know, how close it was down the stretch could have been a factor there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? After, you know, it seems like after the top five or six, there's a whole group of teams there in the next 10 or 15 that are maybe all kind of bunched together that could all play together or all kind of equal balanced. And we know the AP poll doesn't matter, but that, that was kind of shocking that Florida did drop that far. I was kind of surprised. By the way, I misspoke. I said Penn State beat Howard. That was Maryland to beat Howard. Penn State beat the Idaho Vandals, which <laughs> – 79-7. Yeah. Whoop-de-doo. Well, let's move on to this week, and there are two games, certainly. You know, the interesting thing is there is a conference game this week, and nobody gives a rat's behind about it, an Arkansas Ole Miss. Um, I, you know, it doesn't feel like it's even a conference game. Yeah, that's, you know, that that is kind of uh, – neither team did anything in week one that would make anyone, you know, that excited to see this matchup on Saturday night, uh, especially offensively. And it is kind of, uh, you know, interesting that, you know, Ole Miss, we've seen them be so prolific on offense with all these years. They bring in Rich Rodriguez and they score, uh, what is it, one touchdown. You know, and then yeah. Arkansas has got Chad Morris. They seem to think they had their quarterback in there with Ben Hicks and they can, you know, barely get – much on the scoreboard against Portland State. So, um, you know, that is uh, kind of a shocking way for both teams to start the year. But, um, you know, I, I think if anything else, it might be a close, competitive yep. uh, game that could come down to the stretch. Two pretty equal teams there. I can see that happening. You know, my take on LSU-Texas is as follows. This isn't about Texas being back. This is about is LSU legit? Because if they go win that game in, in, in Austin, you got to say, hey, the, put another team up there in that national contender spot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're right there on the fringe of the top five at number six. And uh, it seems like people are overreacting a little bit to what they did against Georgia Southern. I don't think that's you know a good barometer of whether or not their offense is fixed or has changed at LSU or if Joe Burrow can beat a top defense. And this will certainly be the test. And I think this is pretty interesting too, Pat. I mean, we, we talked the whole offseason about Texas. And, uh, a lot of people p- picked them to be challenge Oklahoma, win the Big 12, maybe get in the playoff. And then after the first game, uh, it doesn't seem like anyone's given them a chance at home against LSU. I mean, what happened uh, in the last week week or so that uh, suddenly Texas is now like this huge underdog that you know people just hope they can stay in the game against LSU. I'm not sure about that. But... Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, this is definitely where LSU – we'll find out about LSU this week. Yeah, and the other big game, obviously, is Clemson A&M. But is it really a big game if one team is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite? <laughs> I mean, it's it's probably Clemson's biggest game of the year, right? They're the one toughest yeah. opponent they might they might face. And, uh, you know, for A&M, I, you know, I think they've they got nothing to lose in this game. They're, they're going in. Uh, not, it's a non-SEC game. It's not going to impact their ability to – win or lose the West, and uh, they're a big underdog. So they played them very close uh, last year in College Station. I know Trevor Lawrence wasn't starting at that point, but um, you know they have a lot of confidence going in here, and they have nothing to lose. So you know we'll see if Clemson maybe will play a close game. I think it's been close to a year that they've been within 20 points of anybody. So uh, 
you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, a big moment for A and M if they get a win there. I mean, obviously, people will be really, really high on Texas A and M as they head into the SEC. How big a game is it for Barry Odom? I mean, for that, you talk about. I, uh, that may have been the stinkiest performance, even stinkier than Tennessee, because at least that was on the road. But to, yeah. to go and have a fourteen nothing lead and then get blown out the rest of the way by Wyoming, and now they got West Virginia at home. We know they don't play great in September and October. This it's kind of been their modus operandi. But they can't go like you know two and five heading into November or whatever. They they they've got to kind of win some games here, and this I think is a game they should win. They better win this game. Yeah, and especially with West Virginia really struggling last week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Barry, I think Barry Odom is pretty well liked in Columbia. I don't really know what uh, he would have to do to – I mean, obviously lose this game, but I don't know what he'd have to do to get people to really turn on him. It seems like it's a winnable game. They're back at home. And in spite of losing at Wyoming, I mean, they actually played really well. They, I think they outgained Wyoming. They had a couple fluke plays there. They fumbled at the goal line. It was – taken back the other way but uh, Kelly Bryant threw for over 400 yards and um, you know they did a lot of good things I think it's unlike Tennessee and South Carolina which really got outplayed by their opponents I think Missouri uh, played very well in a lot of spots that will be encouraging uh, especially this week against West Virginia so and you also look at their schedule they if they can get it together here, they've got all, yeah. all their games are pretty much winnable for the next seven games before they get to Georgia. So we'll see if they can turn it around. It'll be interesting to watch. Last thing, speaking of Georgia, I wrote this this week and I and I said it on my podcast Tuesday. If I'm Derek Mason, I'm sending feelers out. I'm going. I got to get out of here. I cannot stay at a place where it's an eighty twenty advantage for the visiting team when we're playing a home game. Uh, I've had it. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Florida did the same thing to them last year. LSU is already talking about how they may sell out the stadium with all their fans next year. I mean, if I'm Derek Mason, well, I wouldn't put up with it anymore. I just say I got to, I got to do something else. Yeah, they're selling alcohol in Nashville now at Vanderbilt Stadium, so it's even more incentive for the visiting fans <laughs> to come in there and have a good time. But uh, yeah, you're right. You, you talk about all. Of, I mean, there's already some inherent recruiting disadvantages Derek Mason has at Vanderbilt, and then you throw throw on top of that the fact that uh, you know the stadium has all the opposing fans in it um, the facilities are obviously haven't been upgraded in a long time and are, are pretty far down the chain in the SEC and on top of all that you know the fans won't show up so it's just one thing after another um, and you know I think he's done a pretty good job with the players he's been able to get in there and and uh, you know, I, I don't. It really seems like he's reached his ceiling there. I think you're right. That's a good point there. And you know, what else can he do there to get Vanderbilt to the next level? I don't know. But um, you know, I don't know. Where else? Where would you think would be a good landing spot uh, for him if he were to want to go elsewhere? Central Michigan. He can go take McElwain's place. <laughs> yeah. Well, he probably wouldn't live in a barn, though. He probably would. Uh, <laughs> I would get himself so. a probably get himself a house up there, but. Yeah, That's you, a big game for Van. Vandy's got a big game this week. Uh, yeah. You know, Purdue. Purdue lost to and Nevada last week. And there's there's a chance to go yeah, I know, and and they lost to Nevada. And and Vandy's a six point underdog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's people kind of maybe people just looked at that Georgia game and just think Vanderbilt's yeah. terrible. But I think Georgia had a lot to do with that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, my other th- my theory on this whole thing with Vandy is that. N- team uh, opposing fans don't go everywhere now, right? They don't follow their team everywhere. So they're they're looking at the schedule and they go, well, let's see, we can go to Starkville or Columbia, Missouri, or we can go to Nashville. 
let's go to yeah. Nashville. So they're they're packing Nashville for for a game, which is a great place, and they're not going to even you know Oxford's a nice little town, but not that many, it's hard to get to. It's uh we're not going to Baton Rouge again, you know. I think that that Florida fans feel that way for sure. Yeah, and, and Nashville is pretty centrally located. It's easy to get to. Obviously, it was a short drive for the Georgia fans, and uh, you know you can. LSU fans will probably fly fly right in there direct. So uh, it, yeah, it is a great road trip and a lot to do there. And yeah, let's see Starkville or Nashville. Where do I want to go? I <laughs> All right, we uh, we appreciate Brandon Zimmerman from the SEC Network for joining us. Of course, former Gainesville Sun employee as well. We will take a break. We'll be back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast at GatorSports.com. I'm your host Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and GatorSports.com, and this is a duly noted podcast presented by Zaxby's. Okay, thanks uh, to Brandon Zimmerman for joining us here on the Duly Noted Podcast. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening in. Appreciate our sponsors. Uh, some interesting spreads this week. And uh, it's been a weird week in that the Jake Bentley stay, stuff came out. Uh, there's, there's at least people called into the radio show and said, that apparently he kicked his uh, he kicked something in the locker and that's how he got hurt. That's that's not the sign of a mature senior quarterback either. Um, but I wonder where that is going to go. It might have given him an out, Will Muschamp an out to say, "Hey, I would have been fine this year if not for that happening." Um, interesting. I, I the, a paper or a website in North Carolina wants me to come on and do something, an interview about voting North Carolina twenty five. And to be honest with you, I had to remember why I did. And I, I did because I watched the whole game. I watched the whole game, and I and I said, you know, I think South Carolina's got a pretty good team. Although we know we've seen that game before with Will Muschamp. But I, I, I figured Mac Brown deserved it. And here's the bottom line. They play Miami this week. One of those teams is going to be in the top 25, my top 25 next week. The winner will be in there. The loser won't be. So, you know – Sometimes as you're going forward with a with an AP poll, you kind of set up things. You go, okay, North Carolina, if you win this game, you'll move up. Miami, if you win this game, I almost had you in because it was between Miami and North Carolina for number 25. I'm totally boring you with that comment, I'm, I'm sure. Hey, FSU's favored, 21 over Louisiana Monroe. There you go, baby. I, I wonder, I, I would bet that's a return game from – not a return game, but – it was, wasn't it Louisiana? Now, now I'm going to be wrong on this, and somebody's going to call me. Wasn't it Louisiana Monroe that agreed two years ago to come play, um, so that FSU could get bowl eligible? That game after you know it was like in week. What would you call that if it's not week zero? It'd, it'd be week infinity. Um, after the regular season was over for almost everybody, uh, I'm not going to even get into the Willie Tiger stuff. Look. I'm just going to watch – I'm not going to overreact to it. I'm just going to watch it. Watch it all go. The, the hydration thing seems silly to me. There are other things that he said this week that seem silly to me. I don't know that it's going to end well there, but we'll just keep an eye on it. LSU's a six-point favorite at Texas. And as I said to Brandon, I think this is more about – LSU than it is about Texas. And I know the narrative is not going to be that way. The narrative is going to be, is Texas back? This is their chance. Um, in fact, I, 
I have been arguing with my boss that I think I should cover that game, but it's really going to be a good game. I, I just want to go to Austin. I love Austin. Austin and Athens, all cities that begin with A. Uh, Amarillo? I don't, I've never been to Amarillo. Anchorage? Never been there either. Um, so that'll be a fascinating game. I'll try to get it up on my laptop. Uh, Clemson, 17.5 point favorite over AM, as I mentioned. That's amazing. Um, I tell you, the Syracuse Maryland game has been interesting. And the Syracuse opened as a five point favorite and now is a two point underdog. I think I have that right. Anyway, the line shifted seven points. You usually don't see something like that. The lock of the day, and I've, I, I know that I'm not the only one that saw this because I know some other people saw seen it, is Army getting 23 against Michigan. And the reason is, you know what it's like playing option football. I'll take, I'll take a 23 nothing lead any time. And that's basically what you have if you're betting that. I'll take a 23 nothing lead with option football because it frustrates the crap out of anybody who's playing against it. So, um, anyway... Well, I'm just looking at some of the Tennessee's a four point favorite over BYU. And I, you know, there, there are must win games and there are different kinds of must win games. For example, there's a must win game that you better win to keep your job as a head coach, right? And there's a must win game where you just need it or your season could collapse. It doesn't mean you're going to get fired. And there are a bunch of them this, this week in week two, which is amazing. And one of them is Charlie Strong. He needs that win at Georgia Tech. Or it could it could be the beginning of the end for Charlie, and I feel terrible about it. Uh, I mentioned earlier that Barry Odom needs one against West Virginia because that this season, if they lose that game, you know, all of a sudden you're you're Missouri. You can't spell Missouri without mediocre. I I don't know. You I guess you can, but that's what they continue to be. And then the other one is Miami, North Carolina. Now, obviously, Manny, Manny Diaz isn't going to be in any trouble, but Manny Diaz needs that win, or all of a sudden you're zero and two. And you're trying to figure that out. You're trying to figure out what kind of team you're going to have and what they're going to do. So, um, anyway, let's do three things. It's time for three things. All right, three things. Number one um, is Robbie's turning the lights off. Obviously, Florida had a huge um, volleyball match, and I think they had a nice crowd out there, and that's great, over 5,000 people. They just aren't quite where Stanford is right this year. They've been there, were this good, but were they as good as uh, teams? Remember the year they beat number one in, uh, what was it, soccer and volleyball in the same weekend? Um, They just aren't quite there, but they're not, you know, they hung in there in all three matches. Hope Mary Wise has a good year. Uh, Number two, I don't know what it ha- where it turned for me, but I have absolutely no interest in the U.S. Open. And I used to be a huge tennis fan. I used to w- cover Amelia Island and, and some of the other tennis tournaments, and I don't know what happened. It just ended for me. I just don't care. And a lot of people do, and, I and hey, enjoy it. Tennis is a great sport. Uh, I've gotten into a little bit every once in a while where I start to watch, and I go, hey, it's, it's, it just takes you long. And number three um, – I'm, did Jerry Jones get played out in this Ezekiel I think, Elliott thing? I believe he did. I believe this is Jerry Jones likes celebrities around him and said, ah, we'll give him the money. Eh, just give him the money. Um, 
But the NFL's back tonight, and that's good. I, I'm sorry I cut through those pretty quick. Well, we got to get on Facebook Live next. So there's some, always something going on here. That's going to do it for the Duly Noted Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for clicking on. We'll be back Tuesday with another one. Till then, this is Pat Dooley, sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun, saying I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings. Stop in today or visit Zaxby's.com and by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org.